and I need to constantly remember that the ones that are close to me are the ones that would always truly have my best interest at heart. So I can't, for the sake of six days of pain, get rid of a lifetime of, you know, support. Welcome to the Silent Elephant Project podcast, where we have conversations with everyday people living with life-limiting health conditions. We are not claiming to be specialists, but we are offering a therapeutic space to build dialogue around marginalised health themes, giving you the opportunity to listen in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Silent Elephant Project podcast. My name is Babs and I will be your host today. So for most of you, you know that we are going through a sickle cell awareness series of podcasts. And um, today we have another fantastic guest and his name is Casey. I've been friends with Casey for over 10 years. And funnily enough, I had no clue that, you know, he was living with a sickle cell. And for him, his story was so rich. His story was so moving. His story was so thought provoking things he said you know got me to you know get off my seat sometimes and just you know think about life and i feel like this in itself will be a rich podcast for you guys to listen to and there's so much in this podcast that that touches me even as a cancer survivor and if it touches me as a cancer survivor i'm so sure it will touch you our listeners um so we just hope that you guys enjoy this podcast as you're about to listen to it um, so without further ado, let's get straight to the interview. I always spell your name K and C. How uh, do you prefer it to be spelt? K and C. K and C. <laughs> K and C, literally. Because it's not really a name, is it? It's yeah. a nickname. Nickname, okay. Um, when I went to uni, yeah. and I was thinking, okay, so finally you're uni, Casey, so... She can reinvent yourself. Yeah. Uh, so who do you want to be? And then I spoke to my course mate. Was it course mate or housemate? And they were like, yeah. Why do you want to change your name? I'm like, because <laughs> it's not really my name. They're like, yeah, but Casey's already your nickname. I'm like, fine, Casey. Casey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm Casey. And my mom calls me Casey, so everybody calls me Casey. Casey. So literally Casey, yes. Fantastic. Casey, it is. So um, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, uh, what you do? And um, before we get deep into the conversations for today... Okay, so full name, Kalechi Urozuru. Um, yeah, that's about that <laughs> in terms of names. <laughs> At the moment, I work as a project manager within talent management for the Leadership Academy, which is part of the NHS. All that basically means that upskilling people within the NHS to be the best versions of themselves within the NHS. Retaining people within the NHS and for the skills that they want. So if you want to be a band five and you want to go to a band seven, what do you need to do to get to that level? And yeah, just 
um, making sure that we get as much in terms of the richness of life and in terms of the people into the NHS and keep them within the NHS. That's my job. That is, I mean, honestly, that is a rich, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> this is a rich time for me to hear that there is people like, you know, that working in that, you know, trying to keep people in the NHS and trying to build people and upskilling them. And, and I think that's, that's something that I like to hear because for me, one of the things we do when we go into schools is that we want to basically get young people to be interested in healthcare. Healthcare um, from a creative perspective. So we're obviously doing short films, we're doing documentary, we're doing podcasts. Yeah. But we get them to start to look at healthcare as part and parcel of what life is about. And I think what you're doing is a blimmin' amazing job. And obviously for us being here today, you know, we're going through a series of um, people who live with sickle cell. And we're talking about people who have sort of experience, not only maybe they might be carriers, they might have the traits, because I know that they're two different things. So you can have the traits and you can be a carrier, you can live with it. It's all these different things. So I'm learning right now, yeah. learning crazy. So I've known you for probably over 10 years and I did not know, which is kind of, I think it's a shame on my side because I would say, because you said you tell everyone, but I, I couldn't believe that I would not know this. So from your perspective, what is sickle cell? Sickle cell is, is me, basically, um, <laughs> at the moment. But what that means is sickle cell disease is basically saying that for the majority of people, your blood cell, blood, red blood cells round. But for anyone with sickle, it's literally like the shape of a sickle. And most people don't even know what a sickle is. I, it comes from farming. So it's what they used to use to harvest wheat um oh, okay. rice a lot of other things basically but it's for harvesting and it's like a knife but because it's a bit curved oh, it's a sickle yeah okay. so that's okay. the shape of it basically um and that's the shape that the blood cells turn into where because they're not the and they can't go through the blood vessels as well anymore which is where the pain comes from mm. uh so yeah that's the sickle cell slash sickle cell disease. And yeah, that's what it is. For me, what that looks like is a lot of pain, basically, for most of the time. But, well, for, for that question, yeah, that is it in terms of sickle cell. Um, but there's a lot more to go into it. And there's a lot more that we can talk about. Of course, man, of course. I mean, that a lot of pain is it's interesting. So when you say pain, what, what kind of pain are we talking about? Is it headache? Muscle pain, joint pains, what, what are we talking about? It differs. It differs for different people. So when I was young, when I was really young, before I was 10, I don't, I can't tell you exactly what age it was, but I had a, what my mom refers to as a collapse vertebrae and I was on a cast. I don't know if they still do them, the old P.O.P. P.O.P. Yeah, yeah around, literally around, like, my earliest memories are yeah. those around me. Someone using a saw, but a medical saw. So the ones that go round yeah. and cuts. Yeah, basically one of those to cut through. Um, my God, imagine that as your wow, earliest memories. Earliest memories um, but yeah, that is, <laughs> that is part of um, my earliest memories. And I'm saying that because every time I have sickle pains or whatever initially that was where my pain used to be focused so i th for a, for the longest time i thought all the pain i got was just because of the fact that i had a 
and collapsed vertebrae. Mm. But uh, one time I remember a really, really difficult crisis and I was literally rolling around, shouting. And in the middle of that, I just thought, I'd ask my mom, like, why, why does this happen just mm. to me and not mm. my siblings? And she was like, no, it's not the collapsed vertebrae. It is sickle cell. And it was only then that I actually thought, actually, there's, I need to think about, I need to find mm. out what this is. Mm. I need to, mm. why, like, if there's something that I need to do to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen again, I need to be doing it because it was a lot, basically. How old were you um, when that happened? Um, I don't know. I don't even know what led to it. I don't know. Um, all I know is, for the longest time, that was my definition of pain, collapsed vertebrae. Um, and I used to think it was because... Basically, I overexerted myself because um, I lived in Nigeria then. So we used to do fetching water, basically. Yeah. So anytime I did that, I would end up in pain. Wow. So I thought to myself, like, am I really lazy? Yeah. <laughs> the slightest thing, you know, would mean I'm a lot of pain. But no, that wasn't the case. It was just a case of... I can't do anything that would mean me exerting myself mm, without mm. ending up in pain, basically. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's funny because that leads us nicely to my next question, which is tell us about your diagnosis story. And you were already self-diagnosing, I can Literally, tell, yeah. from what you're just saying. So yeah. just give us a like, brief insight into how your diagnosis came about for yourself. I think because my mom was a nurse for a really long time, she's um, recently retired. We had those conversations, basically. So from very early, I knew what sickle cell was. Saying I understood it wouldn't be right mm. because every day I learn something new about sickle cell. So I understand what that means to me, but there's a lot that I still don't know what that means to other people. So for me, at the moment, like I said in the beginning, it looked like, okay, back pain. And then when I moved to the UK when everybody was telling me, oh, moving to the UK means that it will be less for you, actually it was more for me. Hmm. Because in Nigeria, you don't have cold. I know. You don't have wow. the cold. But for me, so recently I had to clear up my room in my family house. And I saw some of the initial, like the first few hospital appointments mm. and these weren't even hospital appointments they were first number of times i went to the a and e mm. and it wasn't even up to a month after i was in the uk that ended up in ambulance wow. i mean in the a and e so at first i thought yeah we moved in around about late um summer and i thought in my mind i always thought because as it is now, by 10 p.m., 11, it'll still be sunny. Sunny, yeah. Um, so I, in my memory, I thought that it, it only started in the winter. But no, the dates showed that oh, it was literally less than a month before um, or after I got in the UK that I ended in the um, A&E, at least. Uh, for the first time, it was it was weird. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I was sad about that because I thought I didn't even spend a, a month in this country before I started. I to feel uh, that. Feel, yeah. Wow. 
Yes. But the good thing, the good thing is the NHS has always been really good to me. I mean, don't get it twisted. They don't. They do have the bad days. We'll go into that in a yeah, bit. But of course. No, I like, I, like, I like what you just said about the NHS because when I got diagnosed with cancer and I went through chemotherapy for six months, bedridden, I, I realized how much I was getting for free. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I know that when I do some research about people who go through chemotherapy like I did, they are in like $200,000 worth of debt. Yeah. You know, I yeah. have no debt to my name due to the NHS. So irrespective of the parts that they might have bad days on, on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. I want people to appreciate the NHS for what oh, they do. Oh, of course. Definitely. Definitely. The comparative. What's the best word here now? Comparison. Comparison. Yes, <laughs> is the word. Um, the benefits of the NHS, for me anyway, is the fact that even when it seems like somebody doesn't seem to understand or some set of people don't understand, I can always say at least refer back to the notes mm. go back into the notes and notice and see that nothing there's nothing i'm saying to you that is for my recreation mm. recreation is the word because that's usually where the problem is because of the really strong drugs that are prescribed to sickle cell patients and they are doing their jobs. This is the they thing I have to remember all are, the time. They are. they are doing their jobs. But sometimes you run into people who don't know as much and have one story of black people, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they have to protect themselves as well. Mm. But it's a case of even while you're in pain and all of that, actually, you know what? I hear what you say, but please look at the notes mm. so that you can understand that I am not trying to get my jollies off or whatever mm-hmm. um, from the NHS, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah, kind of man. things, basically. Nah, man. It's, it's, it's really good to, to, to hear that. It just leads me to the next question. And I think um, as we near to the end of part one, it'd be good to know how an average day goes for you. So give me an average day when you are good, and an average day when you're probably at your worst. Okay, so I'll start from the second one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so a bad day for me means me trying to stay in my bed as long as I can. But even though I say that, I always try to have a shower as mm. much as possible. Because one thing I learned early is as soon as you have a shower, you feel better. You feel better. Agree. You literally <laughs> feel better even if the pain isn't getting any better you feel better so you want to behave better yeah and you more or less sort of trick your brain to be better that's a not so good day worst day will end up in in the hospital and hope to god that whoever's gonna treat you has an understanding of what you're dealing with that particular day So if it's chest pain, if it is head pains, if it's a really bad day and it's even your gums that are hurting, you just want to be able to understand that who you're talking to is actually hearing you Mm. and not having their experience over speak what you were saying, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you because I I heard a statement recently that says those who are living with a life-limiting condition 
are specialists of their own condition. Literally. So in a sense, you are a specialist in how you're feeling. And I love when we were having a conversation prior to the recording where we're talking about you driving and you were exactly. saying you will tell them when you are ready to drive. Exactly. Because they can't, they can't, there's no test. No, no, there's no test that anyone can try and find out how my hazard deception, yeah, and how I can not bump into things yeah, your reflex, anymore. You know, yeah, you know, everything basically where everything is back to where it used to be as opposed to where it is now. now. Yeah. So then on a bad day, how are you feeling in a sense? Are you feeling like, how's your cognition? Are you sharp? Can you, are you foggy in your brain? How does it, how does it work for you? Hmm. So right now, right now it's everything that you've just spoken about. And it caused me that we haven't actually gone through that, but we will. Normally I try to make sure that whatever I'm having going on with my body doesn't affect my mind Good. because it's difficult. Mm. I must claim it, it is difficult because if, if I get irritable, if I get annoyed, if I get angry, if I get all of that for not just life, but my life and the rest of everything that is going around me, then I begin to offload on mm. people. Mm. And these are the same people that only want to help me. Mm. It doesn't help me long term to do that. And I learned that really early. So as a child, when you go out to play and you can't play because you're in pain and I have to sit down and stop playing and watch other people play. Only persons that I am sure that might have an idea, and I say might have an idea because on a good day, they might not even be bothered, mm. uh, are my siblings and my family. And I need to constantly remember that the ones that are close to me are the ones that would always truly have my best interest at heart. Mm. So I can't, for the sake of six days of pain, get rid of a lifetime mm. of you know support wow wow that's powerful and it's funny because we're going to be talking about in part two but that is really powerful and then on a good day can you do what anybody can do what's a hundred percent day <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i genuinely don't know because wow. a jet so of so you never a hundred percent that's what you I would say yes, and I'll say, and the reason for that is, even if I'm not having any pain, in my mind, I know that I shouldn't push myself, Hmm. because if you do that, this is what the end is going to be, and that is pain. So, don't push yourself, Casey. I really would want to know what a hundred day for me looks like knowing fully well that this is all I have co- have accomplished so far without actually hitting a hundred percent. So what does that look like? I don't know. And I really want to know. So in itself, is there a name for your diagnosis? Yeah. It's sickle cell disease. Yeah. A lot of people think that's anemia. But anemia yeah, because there's anemia, there's another name. What, what are those things? What They're are, all different. Yeah. So... On its whole, sickle cell disease is the name. However, what 
that then causes is sickle cell anemia and all the other different things that Name sickle cell cause. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but sickle cell disease is the diagnosis. Part one was rich, really good to know your story, know more about your diagnosis and just kind of get a feel of what the genesis was for you as you started to become a man that you are now today. So my first question that I always ask people when we get into part B is what right now motivates you to keep on doing what you do right now? Life. So I once heard a, a quote that said, death is waste as long as there's life there's a chance not there's hope but there is a chance what's the difference hope is eternal but with a chance it is down to you to find out how do i take charge of my life how do i make that chance how do i explore that chance when i see it yeah so what motivates me is the fact that sickle cell or no sickle cell, there's people that did not wake up today for no reason. Hmm. <laughs> it made no sense why they're again. no longer here. But I am here. I refuse for sickle cell to be the thing that defines the way I live my life. Yeah. No, I think that... What you just said that last bit is absolutely how I believe everybody should start living, which is not letting a condition define the person. So I always say this when I talk to other people, you know, when I'm talking about podcasts, is that you are a person first and you live with a condition. Yeah, definitely. Not the condition is you. Do you see what I'm saying? So exactly. I've always said people that are living with conditions, they are still human beings first and foremost. Exactly. Yeah. And definitely. you still have feelings, you have desires, you have goals, you have everything just exactly. like everybody else. Yeah. But you just happen to be living with a condition that probably limits your, you know, your yeah. ability. I think it's a it's a mindset. I once went to a disability awareness meeting at work. <laughs> when we could go back to work. <laughs> back in the <laughs> days where we could still go to work. There was something the chair of that meeting said and it was whatever the disability you don't focus on it because everybody at some point is disabled mm. how do you think about that would you define a newborn baby as able there's nothing wrong with that baby but they cannot do it for themselves so initially they are dis disabled i'm nicking that i like that i like that <laughs> okay. yeah. if we think of disabilities as a journey which we all go through some more than others then we all start with our disability and we end with our disability because even when you're dead you can't be buried yourself <laughs> <laughs> that is power oh wow so that actually, it made me change the way I think about everything, basically. Mm, <laughs> everything. Mm. Because actually, this is just the journey. There's loads of things. I mean, when, when I first started hearing about cancer, it was like a death sentence. Same as well. Instantly. Same as well. Like, I remember... Over a decade ago, actually, um, I was in the hospital uh, for sickle cell. Um, 
But it was the same ward where they brought all the cancer patients. And I was there for about 10 days, 10 days, I think. And I saw a lot of people come to the hospital and get diagnosed hmm. and their mindset at, or just the... I didn't find one person that thought, oh, I'll beat this. Mm. This was a, de- a decade ago. Now, same thing. There's almost no person that gets that diagnosis that says, actually, I'm going to die from this. That is a rich so thing to everyone, say. the mindset has changed, basically. For people being diagnosed with cancer. Because it's no longer, actually, I'm certain going to die from this no yeah. it's it, it, will, it will be brutal yeah but i'll succeed yeah yeah so if we think about life in general that way then it's almost impossible to be brought down mm-hmm. or to think about one thing as the one thing that is gonna end you nah mate mm. no no oh <laughs> <laughs> not for me <laughs> Wow, that is that's motivated me as well. Like I think that what you just said is absolutely wealthy on so many levels. Yeah. So many levels. And I think that um the measurement you spoke about with cancer is probably why I'm even more encouraged to do things like I'm doing right now, which is this podcast with yourself, is to basically start to understand that everybody is disabled at some point in their life, you know? And with that being said, you have to understand that in what point, what season are you exactly on or what part of the journey are you on exactly in your disability? <laughs> that is powerful. I've never heard anybody say that before. <laughs> I'm glad I have you say that. Everybody has a support care system. You know, I used to say whether you're able-bodied or not, you still need your care system in place. Mm-hmm. So for you as a person who is living with a sickle cell disease, what is your support care system like? And... um how have they helped you in the journey so far? At the moment, it is my family. And when I say my family, I mean my brothers, my sister, my father, my mom. I am blessed with family. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's just the first line. That's just the first line. That's the thing. Don't I say I'm blessed? I am truly blessed. Because when it goes to second third even fourth levels i am truly blessed because there's people i can guarantee you that i haven't spoke for 10 years and if i pick up my phone to say i need this because abc they will drop everything and Hmm. help Hmm. and i'm not even talking people that know me probably people that only saw me once Hmm. in january 2020 I had a stroke. Hmm. Well, it's been mostly said that it was cause of sickle cell, but that's still ongoing. So I'm unsure. However, at work, the amount of support I have received at work, both the ones that knew me, work with me, even people that only heard my name, Hmm. the amount of support I have received is humbling. Wow. Because I've had to not even just take a step back, but almost resign Mm. my work. But because of the amount of support, even to the fact that I am here right now. Come on. 
and I'm actually being, in terms of actually being mm-hmm. this in mm-hmm. this, this uh, podcast right now, is because somebody else heard about it and deemed it important that Casey speaks about their story. Hmm. It's it's not something that I had ever heard of, but it's something that I am experiencing and Lord knows every day I wonder if I was given the opportunity to help someone like that, to go into those or to be the one that helps someone else, would I be able to do as much? Mm. I actually wonder. Without a shadow of a doubt, family comes up at number one but then you obviously surround yourself with great colleagues because I know we were talking about your workmates and, yeah. and how they've been so supportive. And and these are support care systems that you've put in place yourself. You know, irrespective of whether or not it happened maybe almost organically because you were working with these people, but you've intentionally or subconsciously put them around yourself. And why I ask that question, because it's important for people to know that they shouldn't completely depend on other people to put them around themselves, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you have to intentionally identify these people and put them around yourself. Yeah, and the truth is, with any situation, with any relationship, there's always going to be the negatives about it as well. Unfortunately, we hope that we don't get the negative ones. Mm at least not close enough yeah to really hurt us yeah but sometimes it happens it, it does. does happen it can be really brutal as well it's worse when it's people that you choose for your life mm. that because once you've chosen some for your life you're literally saying i'm giving you the power to hurt me it takes a minute to actually say you know what i am more i am more than this mm. i am more than this and even this person they might be the reason, they might be the catalyst, they mm. might be the individual. However, apart from this one thing or this other thing that they did to me, would I say they are bad people? Hmm. The answer might not be yes. The, the answer yeah. might be no. This person yeah. not a bad person. Yeah. But they're just ignorant. Yeah. They're fearful. Mm. They are um, a lot of other things that you know, that make people do stupid things, basically. Um, Yeah. Honestly, like, yeah, there's so much stuff you can talk about. But I think for me, the thing you've mentioned about how you let people into your lives and they can hurt you, giving them access to hurt you, is is a massive thing. And I think even when it comes to intimate relationships and stuff like that, you're allowing them. Because I know when you even, how I got, you know, my wife, you know, you allow this person to come into your life, you know that they're going to hurt you and you're ready to forgive them. And I remember I used to say, just giving the ability to forgive people, you know, God giving the ability to forgive people because that's all it's about. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, so in the next five years, where do you see yourself? Okay. So someone within the movie say, what's, three things about you um if you could define yourself what would it be and he said god family football so i thought about it and i said okay so god basically speaks about the life beyond me Mm. family that again is life around me so what is the life around me that i am willing to recognize and then football for him was his job 
Mm. So what is, how am I impacting life at the moment? So thinking about that, in five years, I intend to increase my God family football. What does that mean? I am a Christian mm. and I intend to be the best Christian I can be spiritually, not in terms of the physical going to I intend for that as well but right now I'm focusing on the spiritual so be the best have the best conversations about God and all of that have growth within my spiritual life whatever that looks like that is my God when I say in the next five years that's what I intend for God my family everything within my system so whether that's my initial family either my nuclear or extended family i need to make sure that i am communicating with them as best as i can not just in terms of oh this is what's happening to me and you need to know no mm. actually what's going on in your life mm. how am i helping you how can i help you how do i be a better kc to you when was the last time I had a conversation with you? When was the last time I sent you a text? One of the conversations that we had when we started to, before when we got here was, oh, I did not know. I did not mm. know. I did not know. All of that. Why mm. don't I know? Why is it that I don't know that my friend had this or that? Yeah. Is it because I actually asked and he didn't tell me? Or is it a case of I was negligent mm. about it? That's why I intend to make better within the next five years. And then the family. I've spoken about being a project manager. And for me, that is how I impact the world. So within the last year and a bit, with the level of racism mm. in life has increased. And it's upsetting, really. It's upsetting. I mean... We all need to make it a priority to say this is not okay. We know that you don't think it's okay. 90% of the UK does not think this is okay. I don't know about the world. I was going to say about 90% of the world don't know, but I'm not too sure about the world. But my point is, even though you don't or you know that it's not okay, have you told someone where it will impact that mm. this is not okay yeah have you spoken to i don't know your bame colleagues to say this is not okay and if that is the case then what have you done to change that or to impact that not necessarily in cha change it because not everybody's going to be able to change but what's the impact what's for you what is the impact does your colleague know that you don't think it's okay and you know, does your company know that this is not okay? Have they put something on social media to say, you know what, our boys did good. And the fact that they actually got not just to the finals, but to the penalties, you know, you told them to say, have you said something to say, we believe that this is not okay. And that's the third thing I intend to increase within the next five years. Now for my health my life it will do what it will do mm. i can read more eat more sleep more 
and all of that. But all of that, that is what will happen to my body, is secondary. Because what is going to improve my mind, furtherly improving everybody around me, that is more priority to me. You've definitely given us a lot to chew on from the things you've said. And um, before I move to my last question, is there anything in particular that you're doing in the community with regards to sickle cell? Is there anything you wanted to share or anything that you just want to share to the people who are listening um, that might not know much about sickle cell? I sort of badger people with it. To, not just to say I live with sickle cell, but to say, actually, these are the reasons why I might not be able to stay too long or, you know, do this. And it's not because I am lazy or not because I don't want to do it. Left to me, I am the guy that would first volunteer for it. I will actually oversee it. I'll, because I actually want to be involved. I have an older friend. He says that it would be a waste of his life if when he dies, there are ideas that he hadn't dealt with, mm. that he hadn't aspired to, uh, that he hadn't explored, that that would be a waste. And I really love that because everybody says it. The richest places in the world are the cinemas. That's not cool. Mm. Can you imagine what the world would look like if actually we actually used half of that wealth? Mm. And I think that leads us nicely to my last question, which is, what would you tell your teenage self about sickle cell, knowing what you know today? Yeah, that's a very good question, and I'll tell you why. Because all of what I'm saying now, I did not know when I was a teenager. So when I was in secondary school, <laughs> my biology told me that I wasn't going to live past 21. Wow. And I believed him. Hmm. It's not the fact that he told me. It was the fact that I believed in. So I felt I actually thought I was going to die in university, to be honest, because that's, when, that's literally my 21 bracket. I was, in, I was in university when I was 21. So I actually genuinely, right up to when I was 21, which was, I was in UK by then, I actually thought I was going to die at 21. And then I didn't. <laughs> and that, I was actually quite sad, not because I hadn't done it, but because that I let myself listen to somebody that was only speaking from statistics. Hmm. He did not know me. He was only speaking from statistics. And that's fine. But I did not know that I could think other, other ways. That's, that's the, that would be what I would tell my teenage self. Like... Don't listen, don't let anyone determine for you how you will live your life. Explore everything, mm. but change your mindset. Whoa. <laughs> I always say that after every podcast that I have done under the series because it's very, very, very deep. And I hope you guys are able to float back up with me, guys, because it was really, really, really engaging on so many levels. But for me, whilst I was in that interview, I was just being blown away by the amount of things he was saying about his support care systems, which was with his family being paramount in his sort of recovery 
or even just living life with sickle cell because obviously you know he is living with it throughout his time on earth right here i i also believe that um another thing he said was talking about what he would say back to his teenage self and speaking to his teenage self to say believe in how you're feeling you are a specialist on your condition and believe in how you're feeling and not listen to other people because he thought that he was going to die at the age of 21 but when he was 21 he didn't and he felt like he should have lived life even more so you know it's a cliche thing to say but live your life to the fullest today um you're not promised tomorrow but live today and serve other people with your gifts as much as you can so I hope you guys got a lot from that podcast. I got a lot from this podcast. I'm learning so much doing these um, sickle cell um, um, podcasts. And I can't wait for the next one and for you guys to listen to the next one. So um, until then, uh, make sure you get in touch with us on all social media platforms, which is FreshRBCIC on all social media platforms. Or go to our website, FreshRB.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. If you've got any comments on these podcasts, please do send us messages. Or if you've got someone or if you are the someone who wants to get involved in making these podcasts or being part of the team, do please get in touch with us as well. But until then, until the next podcast, please still keep being safe, keep remaining blessed and speak soon.